So this morning we come, the first of May. It's a occult day. Supposedly the demons are exulting, but not in the house of God. Not in the house of God. Okay. Don't believe all the enemy says, okay? He's a liar. And he's a liar from the beginning, okay? Don't believe what he says. He's a wuss. <laughs> he knows his rightful place is under our feet. So whatever name he comes by, it doesn't matter. Whatever gender he appears, <laughs> it does not matter. It doesn't matter how many hands he pretends he has. He is under our feet. So this morning we begin in prayer. Father, this morning we just come to you. We come to you in the name of Jesus. The name above every other name. And at that name, demons flee. At that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. That Jesus is Lord. There's no other Lord beside thee. You are the only one. You are the mighty God. You are the everlasting Father. The government is upon your shoulder. And the increase of your government, there is no end. There is no panic in that government. There is no confusion in that government. The, that government is not scratching its head, thinking what to do about the situation in this nation or any nation. There is no shortage or wastage in that kingdom. There is power and power unlimited. Therefore, we glorify you this morning. We lift you up this morning. And we lift the name of Jesus. And we lift Christ up. Even today, Father, as I bring the word, I pray Christ will be lifted up. Not me, not GTC, only Christ will be lifted up. For he alone has the power to attract all men to him. We lift up Christ. We magnify Christ. We glorify Christ today, Lord. Wherever your people are, let them look unto Christ. The author, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. So open eyes today, Lord, that as the ministry of the word happens, the Spirit of God will see them, show them the glory, the beauty, and the majesty of Jesus. Speak to us, teach us, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I hope everybody here listened to this, unless you are working, to yesterday's, it's pretty long, four hours, 15 minutes, but I hope you listened. If you didn't, go back and listen because we are continuing from there. In the morning, first session, it was supposed to be three sessions. But by the time the second session finished, my dear wife came and told me the children are hungry. And she, because the masks were on, I couldn't see their mouths. <laughs> But, but I could see the smoke coming from their ears and the flames in their eyes. So I thought that before they start cooking themselves up, let me release them for lunch. 
And then I looked at the time and I found at the other end of the globe, it was already four in the morning and they were still awake listening. So they are there still and we are here and we come together from one end of the globe, US to Australia, one body. And we shall glorify Jesus. The first thing we said that whenever we go through any situation, any crisis, you know, you go to your doctor, you tell him the symptoms and he sends you to the lab, to the radiologist. You do all the tests and then they do the diagnosis. And once the disease is diagnosed, only there is a prescription. Otherwise, what we do is that we treat symptomatically. We are not treating the disease. We are treating the symptoms. It's like putting band-aid over a wound with no medicine in it. And that's what the world, the nations, the churches, people have been doing. They've been putting band-aid when you need surgery. They're giving you Tylenol or Paracetamol when you have cancer, which is killing you. So you feel good because the pain is in there for a day. But the disease is not going and the disease is only getting worse. And then day one day the whole thing metastasizes. And then you realize you are collapsing, okay? And that's what we need to realize because you know what? People are going through crisis and everybody is going through the crisis, but everybody is not going through the crisis the same way. That's the difference. That's why the Bible says, build yourself in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and build yourself because the strength of a building is tested by crisis. That's why God allows crisis to see whether we are able to handle and handle it well and not shaken and we don't buckle under pressure. And that's the whole idea. We come, we pray. And we have to pray in the Holy Spirit. Because he who prays in tongues edifies himself. God has given us a gift. You know why? Unlike the Old Testament. In which they fought physical battles. And destroyed their enemies. And they had rest. We don't fight physical battles. Meaning life is test after test after test. Trial after trial after trial. Tribulation after tribulation. The evil day of evil comes. So we cannot fight like them. We have to resist the enemy and come through these trials and tribulations. And God has given us ways. He says, pray in the spirit. Build yourself in the most holy faith. Because it's a test of faith. Because your te- faith being more precious than gold, more precious than gold, has to be proved by fiery trials. No? So they all went through. We all will go through. The question is not about whether the trial will come or not. The question is, when will it come? And when it comes, will we be ready? Okay, And we are seeing it. And we are seeing it. It seems to be getting better. Now they are talking about October or November will be hit by the third wave. Second wave, there is not enough space either in the graveyard or the crematorium. A third wave they are talking about. But we don't buckle under pressure. So we saw... The first session we saw that we diagnosed, okay? So we are, we are primarily speaking to believers. When a person is born again, a person is born again, God puts a hedge around that person. Because you cannot plant anything without a hedge around it. If you do not have a hedge around it, animals will come and eat it up, okay? It will be destroyed. So first you put a wall, a hedge around it. There are different ways you can break the hedge. We saw, we say you can break the hedge yourself. And the Bible says, he who breaks the hedge or breaks the wall, what happens? The snake bites him. Because you broke it and the enemy gets a hold on you. As long as you're within the hedge, there is safety, there is protection. 
And that's why we say your home should be a safe place. Home should be a safe place. Your church should be a so safe place. Your school should be a safe place. It is not education that is important. It is security that is primarily more important. Like we keep telling, you know, when you get into your car, you close the door, you turn the ignition, starts. What is the first thing you do? You put your safety belt. Why? Because you need to go from place A to place B in one piece and not go out in a stretcher in many pieces. You still would have reached, but you didn't reach your destination. You reached the emergency. So the first thing is that you should reach safely. Security comes first. And we have to remember that's the most important. And the most important thing is the security of our soul. When you see what's happening all around, it's an eye-opener when death takes place, you know. How many people truly, really have hope? that I can face death, and I know where I am going. That's the security of the soul. We make so many decisions and investments for the security of the body. From life insurance, to car insurance, to bike insurance, to house insurance, everything is insured. These celebrities, like somebody's smile is insured, because that's from where they get their uh, money. Um, footballers, their legs are insured, insured for millions. Okay, but that's good. What is it? But can you insure your soul? Is your soul insured? Is your soul insured? You know, when you when you insure anything, you have to pay a premium. To pay a premium, you have to keep paying a premium. So if you keep on paying a premium, what happens? Your policy is valid. Otherwise, it is not. When you are saved, God puts a premium. He seals you with the Holy Spirit. And God says, keep on growing in the Spirit. You are adding to the premium. You know what? Your security is happening. If anything happens to me, my soul is safe. And it is not only safe, it will go in its fullness before God. Okay. So, don't take things lightly. And God has given us his word. So, did we break the hedge? If you broke the hedge, the way out is repent get back and repair the hedge. Don't play the fool. Repair the hedge and stay in. Otherwise, you will not know. See, the devil doesn't work like we think he does. He will bite you and he doesn't leave you. The viper did not bite Paul and leave him. It clung to him. But that's a man who did not break any head, so he didn't die. The viper died. Viper died. Okay? So if you Think what happens is that a little later, he will give you time. And a little later you will see it is not one, but seven others have come in. Okay? You were only angry first. Now bitterness has come in. Okay? That's why God keeps telling couples, no? Do not let the sun go down your anger. But you are angry and you let it go down. You are bitter. A little later you will see there is bitterness. Okay? Married, but Bitter, not better. No. They live under the same roof. They are not even as friendly as roommates in a hostel. You know why? Because others have come in. Others have come in. Okay? You're no longer complimenting each other, mate and helpmate. You're competing with each other. And you pass on that poison into the children. Okay? Now your, your house has become a nest of wipers. Because you're passing it on. That's why God says the enemy is very, very subtle. Because to 
cover this up, he will give you success in your exploits. He will give you career success and this success will entire foundation is falling apart. So don't be fooled how the enemy operates because he is not a physical being. He is a spiritual being. That's why we need discernment. So the hedges are there. We need to be very careful about the hedges. Build the hedges around you. Build the hedges around your home. We build the hedges around the church. Yeah, we are. So please understand how the enemy works. Build, build walls, build hedges. Okay, if you are broken, repent, get back in. And rebuild it, rebuild it. God is a God who builds walls. We saw the entire series on Nehemiah rebuilding the wall and hanging the gates. Jerusalem was destroyed. And then they broke down the walls and burned the gates. And you cannot have Jerusalem being rebuilt and repopulated until first the walls are built and the gates are hung. Okay, these are principles. There are hedges. Okay, and then we saw that... Uh, God takes the hedge of a righteous man. When God takes the hedge, you are safe. You need to understand that. That's why Job is going around and checking with God. Did I do wrong? Did I do wrong? Did I break the... Basically, he's asking, did I break the hedge? And he keeps on coming back with the conclusion, I haven't broken the hedge. I haven't broken the hedge. If you haven't broken the hedge and God has removed the hedge, remember, it is at the end, you will become better than before. Better than before. You are not going to end up a failure. You are going to end up a tremendous success. It was God who took the hedge off that Joseph was sold as a slave. It was God who took the hedge off that he was thrown into prison. But he ended up as prince of Egypt. Because God can do those things. It was God who took the hedge over David to cause him to run for years and years and years. Why? So that he could be truly become a man after God's own heart. So we need to get these pictures. Did God take it off? Like Job, worship him. Glorify him. Lord, something better is going to come out of it. At the end, I too will be able to say like Job, my eyes and my ears had heard about you. But now my eyes have seen you. Seen you. I had walked with the knowledge of God so far, but now I have a revelation of who God is. Okay? And the third thing we looked at is that God can break down the hedge. Now, he's not taking the heads to test you. He's breaking the heads to discipline you. Because you have gone out of idols. You have gone after other gods. He's no longer first in your life. He's not even second in your life. Or sometimes he's not even in your life. You have broken commandment 1 to 10. Primarily starting with 1. You shall have no other gods before me. Your whole heart is an idol factory. Okay, Not chocolate factory. It's an idol factory. It is full of idolatry. And God says, that's what he showed in the in, in message or the, uh, the, to uh, Ezekiel. He said, make a hole, go see the holy place in the temple. And they so full of idolatry on the walls. And sometimes if God were to give us the revelation of our own heart, we would be shocked. We would see sometimes that Jesus is not, is not even there. That's what happened to the church of Laodicea. He's knocking at the door because it's an idol factory. There's no Jesus in the heart. He's saying, stand at the door of your door of your heart and knock. I'm not even there. If Jesus is not in your heart, then the Holy Spirit is not there. But he's still kind. He's still compassionate. Okay, so get these pictures. So that's what we looked at, the hedges. And he says, he looks for one man. He looks for one man who will stand in the gap and build the wall. One man. One man who will stand in the gap and build the wall. So our job is to build the walls. 
God looks people who will be intercessors, how we build the wall. God looks for people who will preach the truth and we build a wall of truth. Truth is, is a wall. The devil cannot handle truth. And sometimes we can't handle truth. But we should learn to handle truth because even though truth hurts, it heals. Lies comfort, but they destroy. That's why God says, you have used untempered mortar on the wall, saying, peace, peace, when destruction is coming. Sudden destruction is coming. So that's what God is talking about. And in the second session we looked at yesterday about breakthrough, breaking through, and God breaking out. He had told Israel when he brought them to Mount Sinai, he said, set boundaries, set bounds. He says, if anybody crosses that bound, kill them. He says, if you break that bounds, I will break forth against you. And he told them, do not break through to gaze at God. Like I said, we are not gazers. Gazing means to be casual. It's not interested. Just casual. And God says you cannot be casual. One of the reasons, you know what God does in the new covenant, it's a different thing altogether. One of the reasons why we don't experience God, we are not interested in God, it's because, you see, you can't do anything about God, you'll see in today's message, unless God reveals himself. And God doesn't reveal himself to gazers. Doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't reveal himself. Why? To protect us. What happened? That's why the Old Testament pictures are there. 50,070 men died. Why? Because they gazed into the ark. God says, you want to die? You want to die? He says, you don't want to die. You know, and actually it is true. People just sit in churches and die. Churches and die. The Laodicean church may not have begun like that. They must have begun really well. Because if you look in one of the epistles, I forgot, the, there was a letter Paul had, epistle Paul had written to the church in Laodicea, which is not there. It was never found. He had written an epistle to the church in Laodicea too. So it didn't begin the way. But by the time it, we, we have in the book of Revelation, in his own time, he's dead, but his own generation, the church in Laodicea is dead. Another church is saying, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You know why? Because they became gazers. They became gazers. And God says, don't come to gaze. Come to know me. Come to learn of me. But he says, on the other hand, in the new covenant, God has taken the restrictions away. There is no curtain stopping us. There is no tribe that is required. Only these kind of people. God says, no, you are a royal priesthood. Every one of you. You can break through. If you can break through the outer courts, you can cut through the holy place and come to the holy of holies. And the most difficult part, if you look at that, the holy place is small. The most holy place is smaller. The outer courts is big. So if you are ter- looking in terms of walking, most of your energy goes from going from the outer courts, from outside in the world, into the outer courts, into the holy place. So most difficult is to put to death the flesh. That is the outer courts. It's our flesh. It's our flesh. And that's why we are not asked to worship in the flesh. We are asked to worship in the spirit. And much of our worship is in the flesh. But if you have come worshipping in the spirit, it doesn't even take you seconds to worship. By the time we are managing our flesh, worship is over. I'm talking about this in this film. That's not what worship is. But we are talking about in this small part, you, you realize that we don't actually worship. Because it's not easy to cut through the flesh. You have to put to death the works of the flesh by the spirit. That's part one. And then you have to tell the soul, be very, very keen and listen to what God is saying to my spirit. 
Because soul is not the boss. The soul has to discern what God is speaking to the spirit. The soul receives it, soul understands it, and then tells the body and the flesh, shut up, and tells the body, obey. And then, you know, you have a lifestyle of worship. Okay. So today we'll go to session three, and we'll go to Exodus chapter three, verses 13 to 15. And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The Lord God your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Simple question. Okay, you remember when uh, John was around, uh, they will all come and ask your name, who sent you? Who sent you? Okay, because who sent you makes a whole lot of a difference. So basically he's asking, what is your name? Asking God, what is your name? And God says, primarily he says, I have no name. In other words, he's saying, what's your need? What's your need? That's my name. What is your need? That's my name. Because a name is the identity of who the person is. In that name. So to give God a name. That's why in the old covenant, you don't have names for God. You have only titles about his character. All are titles. He doesn't have a name. So he says, you know what I am? My name is? My name is I am that I am. Okay. Lord, I am miserable. God says, I am. The answer to your misery. Lord, I am depressed. I am the answer to your depression. Lord, I am sick. He says, I am the answer to your sickness. Lord, I don't have a job. I am the answer to your lack of supplies. I am. That I am. See, we will, we will learn to know God only as we go through our life. We go through, realize, you know, and finally that's what Paul will always say. Christ is sufficient for me. He understands this incredible truth about who God is, which even Moses didn't fully understand. Nobody in the Old Testament understood. They never understood the full. It is all kept for us in the new covenant. That's why it is so discouraging to see new covenant people who are not interested in this living God, which the Bible says the prophets search to know what is revealed to us. I mean, if the kind of stuff which we know and we have heard was told to Elijah and Elisha and all, they would have said, Lord, can we be born in the new covenant, please? We look at their visions and these things and miracles and mighty deeds, but let me tell you, it was impossible for them to know God the way we can know. Don't look at their exploits. Their exploits were for their times and their situations. Exploits does not make a man. A man is known whether he knows God or not. We look at oh, Elijah had this many miracles, Elisha had this many miracles, the miracles Jesus had could not be even counted. Okay. So don't look at those things per se and think that these people really knew God the way we can know God or the new covenant people knew God, the apostles knew God. If you look in the new covenant, you will see in the entire Bible, probably no man knew God as Paul knew. 
Not even Moses, not even Abraham, not even Isaac, not even Jacob. Nobody in the Old Testament knew God the way. Why? It was possible only in the New Testament. Because they did not even have a name. How can you know somebody when you don't know his name? Moses, what is God's name? I am that I am. What kind of a name is that? Okay. I said, what is God's name? God of my father Abraham. Jacob, what is your God's name? The God of my father Abraham and Isaac. Israel, what is the name of your God? The God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Okay, so in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. No? 1 and verse 17. This is what Paul says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says, this is my prayer. This is my prayer. And also verse 18 also. This is my prayer. That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God. That eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. Okay, we'll go to this some other time. But let me tell you, what is he saying? Wisdom is there in the Old Testament. We need wisdom. Otherwise, the revelation will not make sense. Okay? You need wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, revelation will not make sense. Okay? Revelation without wisdom, uh, it is like, uh, what do you say? Uh, taking a person from the from the village, who's never been to a city or seen anything, and making him see a Hollywood movie. He will look at that and wonder, what is this? No? It's like four blind men uh, describing the elephant. Okay? It's basically, you have revelation, but you don't have no wisdom. You have no wisdom. Okay? You have wisdom, but you don't have revelation. You still cannot really know God. You can know about God. You can know about God. You cannot know God without revelation. To know God, we need revelation. We need revelation. And the entire purpose of life is to know God. It is to know God. You get a PhD because you know about something which God created. Much of PhD out in the humanities is junk because God never said it, he never created it. You created it yourself and you get a PhD for that. It is not knowledge about God, it is a knowledge of nonsense. Okay, so much of it is demonic. Okay, so you need to realize what Bible is talking about. So Paul is praying that our eyes may be opened. Eyes may be opened. Why is this so important? Because in the new covenant, we are given a name. Given a name. What was not there in the Old Testament is there in the New Testament. The first promise in the New Testament is... You shall have a child, and you shall call him Yeshua. Begins with the name, Yeshua, Jesus. What does it mean? God is my salvation. If you go to the word salvation in the Amplified Bible, you will see salvation touches every facet of a human being's life. There will be nothing that is not touched by salvation. So what is the name of God in the New Covenant? His name is Yeshua or Jesus in English. His name is Jesus. He is my salvation. He is my salvation. That's the incredible thing about the New Covenant. The New Covenant, we have been given a name. We have been given a name. Like I said, you cannot learn God. 
sorry yeah uh, you can learn about god but you cannot learn god you can learn about god you can know god only by revelation you can only know god by revelation it's impossible to know god without revelation you know the bible says he hides himself in darkness he hides himself in darkness. In Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, the Bible says, I will go before you, make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze, cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasure of darkness, hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord who call you by name, am the God of Israel. Okay, this is connected with Cyrus, but if you put it across prophetically, God says, you know, I have to go before you. I have to break in all these things. The blindfold over your eyes. The bars of iron of false knowledge by which you have put yourself in bondage. I have to break it all. I have to cut through the darkness. In that darkness in which God is enveloped, there is treasure. There is treasure. There is hidden riches in those secret places. We, we talk about Psalm 91 all the time, especially in the last one year with COVID. I will hide in your secret place. But the question is, oh, I'm hiding in your secret place. Let COVID go before me. God is, COVID is gone before you. But did you find any rich in that secret place? Did you discover any riches in this one year while you are hiding in that secret place? Our secret places when we play hide and seek are usually dark. But there are treasures in the dark. And there are riches in the secret place. And Colossians chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 2 and verse 3. The Bible says, who is that? In whom? In whom? It's in Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. You see, you see, you need wisdom and understanding to appreciate treasure. Right? Amun is sitting over there. Now she's a little smaller sitting over there, but she's also grown. Amun was a little smaller. Like I said, give her. A balloon. Let us, she's one year old and give her a 2000, that pink note. She'll go for the balloon. Why? Because she doesn't have wisdom and understanding. She doesn't have wisdom and understanding. Or take a man from the rural side, like a rural side, and he knows Indian currency. Give him a 2000 rupee pink note and a green back, $100. He will go for the 2000. Because he doesn't know this is 7,400 rupees. Kill for those. You see, to appreciate things, you need wisdom and understanding. And in Christ is hidden all the treasures. Everything in him, in a person. It is in person. We don't appreciate much of spiritual things is because we don't appreciate the person. Without knowing that person, we are not going to really understand and appreciate life and able to read what is happening in our lives and happening around the world. All those treasures are in Christ Jesus, who is the fullness of God in flesh. And please understand this. Revelation is progressive. For those who want to know God and is in the pursuit of knowing God, I'm not talking about knowing about God. You can go to a seminary, you can go to a Bible college and come up with a head full of knowledge about God. That's good. 
knowledge about God. But knowledge of God only comes through revelation. And it is progressive. Why? Because we cannot handle it. John chapter 16 and verses 12 and 13. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear it now. This is true. Lord, I want to know you got just a little by little, honey. You can't handle me. You cannot handle me. No, you cannot handle me. Little by little by little for those who are pursuing the person of God in Christ, God reveals himself to us through Christ. So Jesus is telling who? His own disciples. Who are these people? In John 16, the 11 remaining. Judas is gone. The 11 core disciples who have walked with him for three and a half years, have seen everything he has done, preached, listened to all his sermons, and he's telling me, you know, I got, I got lots of things to tell you. But you cannot handle it now. However, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all this truth. You know what? He is the host of Holy Spirit. He is the revelator. He is the one who reveals. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's not primarily giving you wisdom and knowledge, which he does. We need that. He gives you wisdom. He gives you knowledge. But he gives you revelation. Why does he give you wisdom and knowledge? So that you can understand the revelation. You can understand the revelation. Otherwise, you know what? He doesn't give you revelation alone. That's why we need the old covenant. We need to study. We need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need understanding. But don't stop there. The new covenant is entirely a covenant of revelation. Completely a covenant of revelation. Where God is revealing himself to man, which he never did in the Old Testament. That's the difference between the old covenant saints and the new covenant saints. That is why Elijah cut and ran. When Jezebel threatened him, well, Paul and Silas in prison are singing. Because they have revelation. This man does not have that revelation. Does not have that revelation. Okay. Well, it's, uh, Elisha will die of a sickness. Well, the apostles are martyred and they die fearlessly for what they believe. Because to them has been revealed the glory of Christ. Because there is nobody like that in the old covenant. Because they did not have revelation. They had revelation, but nothing like what we can have. So please understand that. The Holy Spirit is the revelator. We use this scripture from First Corinthians, but we don't say it fully. From Corinthians. Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard, what God has prepared, the things which God has prepared for those who? Let me stop there. Because we don't want to look at verse 10. Puts us in a box. Puts us in a fix. But... God has revealed them to us through his spirit. God has revealed them to us. God reveals these things to those who are searching. We always uh, say, how come the guy who started last wrote most of the new covenant scripture? Because his heart's desire is that, I want to know Christ. So the Holy Spirit, who searches all things, yet the deep things of God, revealed God through Christ, through the letters of Paul. And we read the letters of Paul, we still don't understand. You know why? Because we don't have his heart. We don't have his heart. We want knowledge about God. We do not want knowledge of God. Okay? So that's what the Bible is talking about. Okay? You have to see things that way. You evil fathers, if you know how to give good things to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give you what? The Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit reveals the treasures of God. All the treasures of God which is hidden in Christ Jesus. Now why is this important? Why is this important? This is important. It's because the new covenant and the old covenant, if you realize, when Israel was pulled out of Egypt, God pulled them out, took them out of Egypt. One of the two things he told them is that you shall go into the wilderness, a three-day journey, and you shall worship me and you shall serve me. Some translations would use the word sacrifice, which is basically worship. You shall worship me and you shall serve me. In the new covenant, the Bible says God is seeking for worshippers. What is God seeking for? God is seeking for worshippers. That's what God is seeking for. Let me tell you something. You can never worship without revelation. You can praise God with knowledge, but you can never worship God without revelation. That's why we only praise. Very seldom do we worship. This is not worship. Worship is a result of the revelation of God. When the revelation of God, your automatic response is worship. So God wants worshippers. What does that mean? God wants to reveal himself to us so that we will worship him. And it is not at the beginning of a service. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. And God says he's looking for people like that. He's seeking worshippers who will worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. That spirit is the Holy Spirit. And that is what God Jesus is saying. When the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you to all and that truth will cause you to worship. Because that truth is a revelation of who God is. Because we remember a long time back, we looked at five revelations of truth. God is truth. Jesus says, I am truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. The word is truth. And the church is supposed to be a pillar of truth. So when you cannot have truth without revelation, you can have facts, you cannot have truth. You can go all do all the radiology, all the tests, but you still do not have the truth about your disease. You only have facts. And every doctor is working on facts. Truth only God knows. Only God knows. Only God knows where this coronavirus came. We have facts, we have assumptions and presumptions, God knows. Only God knows why you got it, where you got it, how you got it. Can any doctor tell you where you got it? Why you got it? No. Only God knows. We need to understand the truth only God knows. Nobody has access to the truth except God. But when the truth comes to us, it's a revelation. And the revelation will cause us to worship him cause us to worship him. So the spirit of God is a spirit of revelation. And the purpose of revelation is that we will worship him. And God is seeking for people who will worship him. And that should be the cry of our. So we looked at hedges and we looked at the damage that happens in our lives when hedges we break or God takes it away or he breaks it down. And then we look at if he can break through, he will break forth. But it, we should not stop there. We should say, Lord, I want to be a worshipper. I want to be a worshipper. Because in heaven, what we hear is worship. Why are the angels always worshipping? Because they are receiving a revelation. But the funniest part is that, you know what? I could be preaching here a message. None of you get it. The angels get it and they start worshipping because the wisdom of God is being revealed to the angel through the church. 
And they are worshipping, listening to messages while you are sitting like, uh, what you call it, uh, gooseberry in a pickle jar. You know, you know, you know gooseberry in a pickle jar? Without moving. The gooseberry on the tree is moving with the wind. The gooseberry in the pickle jar sits like this. No response, no emotions, no feelings. At least few masks are down. Otherwise, mask also is there. I have to look into their eyes. And you can never figure out what is the expression on the face. But not so. Every genuine revelation that is happening anywhere in the world, when the angels hear it, their response is holy, 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 holy. They worship. They have a revelation of God in heaven and there is a revelation of how Christ that is coming from the church and the response in heaven is worship. It's worship. And God is trying to make worshippers about us. Like I said, praise. You don't need revelation. You need knowledge. Oh, God is this. Oh, Lord, I praise you. I praise you. Right? You don't need a revelation. You just need knowledge. You watch a football match and Messi goes and puts this impossible goal. We say, wow! That was no revelation. You saw something and you just responded to it. If you were to personally meet these stars, it would be another revelation. How vain they are, how proud they are, how nasty many of them are. You wouldn't want to be anywhere near these people. This That's why they are only characters in the screen. Real life villains. They are. If they are exactly what they are, heroes and heroines in like they are in life, then their marriages should be they married, hap- lived and happily ever after. How many times did Elizabeth Taylor marry? Eight? Nine? Ten? No, no, not that one. <laughs> she would have survived. <laughs> so many. Why didn't they? Because they were just actors. They were not real. In real life, they were villains. They were villains. Okay. So don't get fooled by it. On the other hand, God is genuine. He's true. And He wants to reveal Himself to us. So we can praise God based on the knowledge about God. Worship is only a response to a revelation. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith, Okay, by faith. Remember, faith is a revelation. By faith. Faith comes from hearing. You cannot have faith without revelation. You can have a faith to live a good life. We are not talking about that. We are talking about living by faith. We are talking about walking by faith. Okay? So in faith, there is a component which is called revelation. You have heard something from God. That's a revelation over there. So Bible, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. How did he offer? He did not offer him by sight. He offered him by faith because there was a revelation. Who had received the promises offered up by his only begotten son of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. What was the revelation? Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He had a revelation. Take your son, your only son. And offer him as a sacrifice. What was the revelation? Even if I kill him, he will live. This boy cannot die. Why? Because there is a promise spoken by God over this boy. This boy cannot die. That's why I said the power of an unfulfilled promise. 
That's why you need to receive a promise and hang on to the promise with all your strength, saying that third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave, I cannot die. It's not that I will not die. I will not die is one thing. I cannot die is another thing. I will not die is an act of faith saying, Lord, I will not die. I want to do the works of God. I cannot die is an act of revelation. I cannot die. I cannot die. You know why? Because there is this unfulfilled promise in my life. Until that is finished, it is not going, I am going to die. This man will stand before kings. And Paul says he will not die. Because one more king left to stand before Caesar, then I will die. He stood before Agrippa, he stood before Felix, he stood before kings and lords and everybody. And the word of God has reached Caesar's household. There's a church walking in Caesar's house. Just a church in the Praetorium God that the Caesar's protection. In the God, in the palace. But he says, you know what? One more king to stand and my time is up. I will go. Unfulfilled promise. And was this promise given when he started? When he started. So there is a revelation here for Abraham. He received by faith the revelation. Take your son, only son. And he also has a revelation. This son cannot die. That's why he goes. You go full strength, full faith, full obedience when you have a revelation. And look at um, Genesis 22, verse 4. Genesis 22 and verse 4. Then on the third day, uh, he uh, he saw the place. Yeah, go further down. It's maybe six. I'll just give it one second. Twenty-two. Verse five. Yeah, not uh, four. Verse. And Abraham said to his young men, "Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. Because you cannot have a revelation and not worship." It is impossible to have a revelation and not worship. He has a revelation. I will offer my son. The son will come back. Even if he were to die, God will raise him back. And in a figurative sense, he actually got him back from the altar. He is the only animal who escaped the altar. His name was Isaac. Nothing that has been ever offered on the altar has come back alive. Isaac is the first one. So you know what? He had a revelation. And it's because he had a revelation, he says, you know what? Where are you going up? We are going to worship. Because revelation precedes worship. And worship will always follow revelation. You know why we are not able to worship? Because we are not getting a revelation of who God is. You know what is a revelation Abraham is getting? Christ is the life and the resurrection. He's getting a revelation over there. He's the resurrection. And if you and I get a a revelation of the fact, even if I were to die, I will not die. We will worship God every day. We will not be afraid of death. We will be worshipping because we have a revelation. Even if I die, I live. Because anyone who believes in Christ Jesus, he cannot die. Our attitude in every life when we hear bad news and bad news and bad news and only spike and death toll is going up, you know what we will do? We will worship because we have a revelation. We cannot die. Even if we die, we live. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And we are not afraid. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We worship. Instead, if panic is setting in, is because we have the knowledge about resurrection. We do not have the revelation about resurrection. That's our problem. We have the knowledge about resurrection. So we'll praise God. Lord, I will praise you. Thank you. Died for me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If I die, I, I hope I will be there. <laughs> There's no worship. There's a knowledge about resurrection. There's a revelation about resurrection. Second Samuel, chapter 12. 
19-20 When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. The question is, his child is dead. This guy is worshipping. How can you worship? How can you worship? Look at verse 23. Here's a revelation. Now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back? I shall go to him. But he shall not return. Here's a revelation. You know what? I will see him. I will see him. He's got a revelation from God. Two things. One, your son is secure in me. Two, you are also secure in me. This is just temporary. You'll be united one day. And because he gets a revelation, he goes in the house of God and doesn't mourn. He goes to the house of God and worships, saying, Lord, Lord, this is only a temporary thing. This is permanent. One day you will overcome death and we will be never separated again. I want to worship you, Lord. Worship is a result of a revelation. Result of a revelation. And when you do not have revelation, we are not able to worship. Even in the worst case scenarios, you will be able to worship God because there is revelation. Because God is looking for worshippers. And I cannot worship, you cannot worship unless we have revelation of who God is. What is the revelation? The revelation is who God is. What is the revelation with, with Abraham? What is the revelation with David? Christ is the resurrection. Christ is the resurrection. And we should be understanding it better because we are new covenant people and all the fullness of God came in the flesh and we can understand because Jesus walked in the flesh and proved he was God. It is easier to understand God through Jesus for us than for people who are in the Old Testament. It was difficult. We are born of the Spirit. They were not born of the Spirit. We have the witness of the Spirit in us. They did not have the witness of the Spirit in them. Not even the greatest. They had the Spirit upon them. They did not have the Spirit in them. Okay? So understand the difference. Genesis 24. We read from verse 10. The servant took, this is Eliezer, Abraham is old, Isaac is 40, so Abraham is 140, Sarah is dead, time for the boy to get married. Not time, <laughs> I mean. You can wait till 40, Isaac got only married at 40, okay? So don't be in a hurry, okay? All of you 40, 40, okay? <laughs> okay. okay? Only when you reach 70, you should hurry. 40 and all, cool, okay? It's only Hindi joke, Satar ka hatar bolte. Okay, okay. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels. So Eliezer, a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, Abraham the father, Isaac the son, Eliezer the Holy Spirit type, and Rebekah the church, is going with what? Ten of his master's camels and ten is God's order, completion order. So he's taken all of God's provision, is given into the hands of the Holy Spirit for the bride of Jesus Christ. Understand. Meaning, it's a revelation. There is no lack for the bride. There's no lack for the bride. All that you need to fulfill your purpose, to become the bride of Christ Jesus, has already been given to you in the Holy Spirit in Christ. That's a revelation. For all his master's goods were in his hands. All God's goods are in the, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Right now. 
That's we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He is the Lord. Everything is. You got Jesus says the harvest is ripe, the laborers are few. Cry to the Lord of the harvest. The Holy Spirit has everything in his hands. That's why we say don't fool around with the Holy Spirit. Don't mess around with the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. Be led by him. So he, he arose, went to Mesopotamia, to Nahor, and he reached that place. See, one line between 10 to 11 is months together. Okay, we understand that. These people are in Canaan. He's going to Haran. Canaan to Haran, long journey. The servant took, yeah, he reached that place. Yeah, go to verse 11. He made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time. The time when women go out to draw water. See, if you live in today's time and this were to happen, there is no well and no women. You open the tap, the Holy Spirit doesn't know you. Just kidding. Then he said, <laughs> everybody's so worried. <laughs> then he said, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham. Okay, he's saying, Oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. It's a very simple prayer. Very simple. Lord my master Abraham. He's old. He's got a son. He sent me on this mission. Please give me success and show kindness to my master. And verse 30. Behold, here I stand by the well of water. And the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Where is he standing? By the well of water. And who are coming? The daughters. And I am telling you one thing straight up. There will be nobody in the bride of Jesus Christ who did not come and draw water from the wells of salvation. If you are ignoring the preaching of the word of God and expect to be the bride of Jesus Christ, it simply does not happen. That is why it is so important not to miss when you have nothing to do and you don't even have an interest to come and listen to the word of God or even it's being live streamed and then one day expect I'm going to be raptured as the bride of Jesus Christ. It does not happen. You need to read, look at the revelations in the old covenant. He did not go into the city. He did not go from house to house. He waited by one place. He waited by the well of water. And the Bible says, we shall draw with joy the waters of salvation. Waters of salvation. And they were coming out to draw water. Now he says, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I might drink. And she says, drink. And I also give you camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. It happened before he had finished speaking. Okay, some of our answers come so fast. It's because we are completely surrendered to the will of God and the glory of God and the honor of God. And there is no self in it at all. Absolutely no self. He's saying so that I can go back and tell Abraham, you know what a good servant you had. You did not make a mistake when you chose me. I was absolutely on the dot. If he did, if he had sent somebody else, I'm very sure he wouldn't have fought the God. Nothing about him. No self. Self is absolutely dead. And immediately the answer comes. Even before he had finished speaking, the Bible says, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. If he had read the beginning of that chapter, he would have known that is what he said. Go to my brother's household and find a girl for me. But he doesn't know where he has reached. He has never traveled this way before. This is the first time somebody from Abraham's household is crossing Canaan and going to the other side. Please understand this. Isaac was never allowed to leave the land of Canaan. Abraham said, my son will not go. Jesus is, is not allowed to leave heaven. 
But the Holy Spirit is going to the nations looking for the bride of Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit is allowed to step out of the promised land to look for a bride for Christ. That is why this is the era of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is searching, not Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who is searching. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the earth looking for somebody whose eyes, whose heart is stayed on him. And he prayed this simple prayer. And what happens? She came out. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man, we have preached about all these things. Okay, We are not looking at the beauty of the face. In the new covenant, it's the beauty of the heart. When it's talking about virgin, it is somebody who is not in the world, has nothing of the world in her, and she's absolutely separated, sanctified from the world. And no man had known her. She went down to the well, filled a pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, drew for all his camels, and the man, wondering at her, remained silent. So as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking. Why did he wait? Because sometimes people will say, but they don't finish the task. They don't finish. I will do it. But one day I put in two buckets of water. I'm so tired. <laughs> but children are like that. Do I have to do it all? <laughs> children, when they're small, they're like that. Do I have to do it all? I said, but you said you would do it all. I didn't ask you to do it all. You said do it all. Oh, no, okay, I will also help you. No, some people never finish. So he waited. He said, I will draw it. Okay, one, do you have the strength? Two, do you have the heart to finish what you started? Because Christendom is full of unfinished houses. That's why Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. Will you finish? He will finish. But the question is, will you finish? He doesn't override your will and finish the work of Christ in you. He knows it's a joint operation. God and you. God and you daily. God says, will you finish? Or you're on fire for God for one week. Next week you're not to be seen. You are waking up at four in the morning and praying every day for one week. Next week you have to wake you up at five in the evening. Consistency is missing. Most difficult part. You don't allow God to finish something he starts. It's not that God doesn't want to finish. We don't allow him. And ultimately, if I look at my own experience of all these years, you know what? The people who started with me from 1984, I can count people on my fingers who are still there. Even Dimas left. Paul and left. That's the whole idea. Will you finish? Will you finish persevering faith? She finished. The man, he still doesn't know who she is. Still doesn't know who she is. She still doesn't know who her father is. But 90% of the prayer is answered. Only 10% is living. The identity of the family. But you know what he does? By faith, he takes the gold out. He takes the gold out. The man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel, two bracelets for a wrist weighing ten shekels, and said, it's not that he asked her and took the gold. He took the gold and asked her. Whose daughter are you? 
Tell me please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? Verse 24. So she said to him, I am daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. You know what? He has a revelation. You know what is a revelation? Abraham's God is a God who has gone before me. Abraham's God is a kind and a merciful God. Abraham's God is a God who prospers you if you surrender to his will and to his purpose. And you know what he does in verse 26? He worships. He worships. If you don't have a revelation, you cannot worship. He has a revelation. And his immediate result is he worships. You see, anybody can worship anywhere. We think we go to the house of worship. No, you are the house. Therefore, you can worship anywhere. Anywhere you can worship. When do you worship? Anywhere when you receive a revelation. And you worship, walk in worship based on the revelations you have already received. That's why revelation is so important. Knowledge, you can praise God. Revelation causes worship. It is impossible to have a revelation and not worship God. David worshipped God. Abraham worshipped God. Eliezer worships God. Exodus chapter 4, 28 to 30. Moses and Aaron has reached Egypt and they got all the people. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went, gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. See, these people do not really know the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So Moses is speaking through Aaron and he told about the God who met him by the burning bush, the call of God, the purpose of God, the deliverance of God. And then he did three the signs before them. He threw the rod, put his hand probably on his chest. I don't know whether he poured water also, but he showed the signs. Suddenly they had a revelation of the power of the God of Israel. Till then they only knew the power of the gods of Pharaoh. The gods of Egypt. They had no revelation of the power of God of Israel. They have a revelation of the power of the God of Israel. And you know what happens in the next verse? So the people believed when they heard the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their afflictions. Then they bowed their heads and they worshipped. They worshipped. When you have a revelation of who God is, any facet of his character, you know what happens? You worship him. You worship him. And they worshipped. You know why we are not able to worship? Because we are not receiving. We are not believing his words. We are not receiving a revelation. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 to 14. They have crossed all the words he has heard. They have sanctified. They have crossed. They are circumcised. But nothing has changed. <laughs> Promised land is only a story. Promised land is still in the hands of the enemy. Not one single battle, not one single victory. The walls of Jericho are still the walls of Jericho standing like a huge fortress. Huge, massive, impossible. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face and worshipped him. The minute he gets the revelation who you are, I am Jehoshaphat. 
You see, when you have a revelation, the next question is, oh good, I was waiting for you. He's on his face, worshipping God. You cannot have a revelation of God without a response being a worship. And if you're not responding in worship, you did not receive revelation. You only received knowledge. You are excited. You did not receive a revelation. A revelation is a personal manifestation of the person and the power of God. You know? And he worships. Result is worship. Judges 7. We know. So many miracles. And then God says, you are still afraid. Take a servant poor. Go to the enemy's camp. And listen. So he went in the dark. And there are two Gentiles. Supernaturally given by God a dream and interpretation. <laughs> a dream and all. See, don't ever think God cannot speak through Gentiles to believers. Okay? God can. Okay? Sometimes they get a dream and says, did you understand? And they will call the believer. And we think, oh, I cannot interpret your dream. God will say, it was for you, not for them. She or he thinks it is for them. No, it is for you. You know, when the interpretation, they said, oh, this is Gideon and his God. Okay. And you know what I said? That he worshipped. We need a revelation like Gideon, especially on May 1st. You know what's the revelation? That the devil is more terrified of us than we are of him. People are just afraid of the gods of this world. People are afraid of the dark. They are afraid of disease. They are afraid of death. They are afraid of demons. You know what? Demons are afraid of us. And they don't want us to know it. Like old timers used to say, Christ is glorified, his bride is edified, and Satan is terrified. That should be our testimony. Like I keep saying over and over again, Eternity, only two people will matter who knew your name. Does God know your name? Did the devil know your name? It doesn't matter if nobody else knows your name. Two people need to know your name. He should never say you, I do not know you. He says, I know you. Like God told Satan, do you you see that servant Job? I know that boy. Do you see him? God should know you. Second thing, the devil should know you. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? It's not that he doesn't know their sons of Skiva. He doesn't recognize any authority in them. Authority in them. No? And that's what God is talking about. We need a revelation before we will worship God. What is a revelation we know? We need to know who the Christ is in us. Why are we walking around like people with their heads bowed down? Why are we so scared? Why are we so desperate? Why are we in despair and discouragement? Because we know knowledge. We do not have a revelation. What is the knowledge we have? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. But we do not have a revelation of how great he is. In you, in me, in us. And Gideon needs a revelation. He has knowledge so far. A sacrifice. Oh, I am, I am dead. No, you are dead. Peace. You're not going to die. I did not call you to die. What did I tell you? Mighty valor. What, I'm going to kill you? No. Then cut down the altar. Did that. He saw success. God's favor. He put the fleece. Worked. Second time. Worked. Still revelation hasn't come. Knowledge is increasing about God. Revelation hasn't come. Because if revelation comes, you will worship. Knowledge is increasing. We have to grow in the knowledge of God. But you will knowledge 
of God comes through revelation. Knowledge about God can come through all these things. But when the knowledge of God, revelation comes, he worships. And sometimes we need to hear from the enemy. Problem is we are looking at the world and we are trying to become like the world. You know, when you try to become like the world, you know what you are doing? You are worshipping the enemy. That's why God says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. If I try to act and become like the world, I worship Satan. Because Satan is the ruler of this world. Unconsciously or ignorantly, you're worshipping Satan. Because that's exactly what Satan told Jesus. Worship me, I will give you all these things. Satan wants worship. But he cannot reveal himself. If you reveal himself as he is, nobody will worship him except some crackpots. Nobody will worship him. So he cannot. So he wonder. He created this world system with his glitter and glamour. He says, you know what? You worship that? You worship me. But you cannot worship God unless he reveals. And when he reveals, our response will be worship. So like I said, revelation precedes worship. Where there is knowledge, you can praise him. Where there is wisdom, you can praise him. But there can be no worship without a revelation. That's the difference. Joseph, they talked about Joseph's God. Daniel, they talked about Daniel's God. Solomon, they talked about his wisdom. They talked about his wisdom. Everybody came to see David, Solomon's wisdom. Hear his wisdom. But they did not go back as sanctified people because there was no revelation of God coming out of his life. Man plucked from the from the prison and brought a little later. God says, "The spirit of God is in this man." Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar says, "Everybody should worship the God of Daniel." Three boys come out of the fire. He's the fourth man. Their God is God. Solomon. So you can have knowledge, you can have wisdom, but when you have revelation, they worship our God. They worship our God. They will say, your God is God. Your God is God. You know what? We have to become worshippers. So please understand, it's all tied up in the person of Jesus Christ. Why? The revelation of God is through Jesus Christ. You know, people are looking, "Mm," because idols are breaking inside. Because the only way you can know Christ and keep knowing Christ, which is revelation, is breaking idols. And there are idols in our heart. You will say, no, I don't love the world. No, you love yourself. When it say every argument, it is your opinions. Even though you have agreed to God in many things, there is one platform which is yours, my way and not your way. You cannot say thy kingdom come unless you are able to say my kingdom go. You cannot say thy will be done on my life unless you are able to say and not my will be done. Even on the garden of Gethsemane, the son of man had to say it. And this is our issue. This is our issue. 
And this is not one day or two days. This is a constant battle we have. But as we progress and as we win this battle, you know what? We will realize revelation is coming. God is able to reveal to us. The Spirit of God is able to reveal Christ to us. And in Christ is the fullness of God. It's able. And we suddenly realize, you know what? We are content. We are content. We are satisfied with life. Because contentment, as God put it, is in the person of God. Otherwise, we should be satisfied with all the things we receive. Are we content? Are we already hungry? Why are we not able to fast? Why are we not able to fast? But signals are coming from the stomach and not from the spirit. Hmm? By two o'clock yesterday, people were famished. I have my dinner at 8.30 in the night. So by two o'clock yesterday afternoon, there's no breakfast. I was running on one cup of green tea. And I was still not hungry. We find our contentment. You see, otherwise you know what? It doesn't matter what you eat. It still doesn't satisfy you. If you want contentment in your life, satisfaction in your life, it is found in the person of God. You know what? It's not that we eat on Monday and don't eat on Tuesday. We have to eat on Tuesday too. We have to eat on Wednesday too. We have to eat. Thursday too, Friday to eat every day, right? In the same way, I cannot be content with God on Monday and run out. He says, I'll give you myself to you. Tuesday too, Wednesday too, Thursday too. You know what? You walk from contentment to contentment, satisfaction to satisfaction, from glory to glory. It's all tied up in the person of Jesus Christ. And as long as we are not pursuing Jesus Christ, we will be discontent. It doesn't matter what God gives you. If you look at the the people in the 6,000 here after Adam was kicked out of the garden, of 6,000 years of human history, the people who actually should not have any reason to complain are the children of Israel who came out of Egypt. I mean, if you ask today, you will say, can you give me that life? I don't have to work. I will walk, Lord. Just give me my food, my clothing, and my protection. No COVID problem. Not even a mosquito will bite you. Nothing, Lord. Lord, can you give me that life? I will exchange my life for that life. I mean, think about these people. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to fight except a few fight because the enemies came at them. The Amalekites came at them. They didn't go after the Amalekites. Okay, so they're also victory guaranteed. They had fresh water from the rock. None of us ever drunk water like that. They had manna coming from heaven. Their clothes never wore off. Their feet never swelled. Their sandals never wore off. We will say, can you give us that life? But you know what? They were a set of dissatisfied people because they only wanted things from God. They never knew God. And today also on earth are full of dissatisfied and discontented Christians. Though they can say, I have clothes, I have food. Like them. My clothes wear off, but I get new ones. My shoes, I outgrow, I get new ones. 
But are we contented? No, we are just like them. God is taking care of us exactly the same way. We get our food, we get our clothing. And the new covenant says if you have food and clothing, you should be content, satisfied. He never uses house. Why doesn't he use house in the new covenant? Because the commission has been given. Go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel. If he gives you a house, you will not go. Because the house is not mentioned in the new covenant, unlike the house mentioned in the old covenant, it's because of the commission. The commission. House is not mentioned. Because we are called to go. We shift from house to house. We move from place to place as the Lord leads. And those who are led not to go, he gives them a house and says, settle down here. That's what God is talking. Why were they so discontent? They were discontent, not because they did not have anything. Everything a man needs for life on earth, they had better than anybody. COVID could have gone through the wilderness without touching any one of them because of what they ate and what they drank. It wouldn't have touched them at all. Absolutely touched them at all. But you know what? They were discontent. You know why? They had no revelation. They had no revelation. And why didn't they have no revelation? It was because they never sought God. And because they had no revelation, they had no worship. Because the Bible says in the Old Covenant that, did you offer me a sacrifice in the wilderness? God says, no. They never worshipped God. Though the primary reason why he delivered them out of Egypt and took them in the wilderness was they would worship him. They neither served him nor worshipped him because they had no revelation. They had no revelation because they never sought him. Sought him. That's what I said. If you break through, he will break forth for you. Otherwise, our testimony also will be like their testimony. Do you know what I have? Do you know what God gave me? That's not. Do you have a revelation? Have you worshipped God? Have you worshipped God? John chapter 4 and verse 22. This is John, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Remember, Jesus, I mean, God will reveal himself to anybody. He's not a respecter of person. This is a much married woman. Five times. Five times and now sixth one. She still has hopes and she still believes in love, but she has lost faith in the institution of marriage. Okay, institution of marriage. And they're having a discussion. And Jesus makes a statement. You worship what you do not know. And God is saying, what do you worship? Do we worship what we know? Do we worship? Do you have a revelation? Do we have revelation so that we worship? So sometimes we are just like the Samaritans. We worship what we do not know. For salvation is, we know what we worship. He says, we know what we worship. But he's not talking in the Jewish terms. He says, salvation is of the Jews. He says, we know what we worship. Salvation comes from me. Like I told you, salvation is a complete word. What is salvation? Yeshua. Yeshua. What is Yeshua? God is my salvation. Salvation comes from the Jews. Who is the Jew? He is the Jew. Through whom salvation will come. So God is asking, do you worship what you know? Acts chapter 27? Yeah, 17, 22, 23. Paul stood in the midst of Arapagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive in all things you are very religious. Men of Hyderabad and women of Hyderabad, I perceive in all things you are very religious. But, for I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, 
I was wash, I was going through your dorms and looking at the objects of your worship. I saw your camera, I saw your phone, I saw your uh, TV, I saw your books, I saw your laptop. I was looking at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. I looked into your heart and I said, Lord, I have set my heart to the unknown God. I don't know you. Because pastor keeps on saying, come to the friend and surrender. I have surrendered to an unknown God. Therefore, to the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. You are running after money. It will not satisfy you because you do not realize unless you run after me, you will, you find me, you will never be satisfied. It's an unknown God. I'm proclaiming to you. Mammon is not God. Christ is. You are running after flesh. I'm telling you, at my right hand is pleasure forevermore. Unknown God. I'm proclaiming you to you. The God of all pleasure. You are thinking all these things will bring you happiness. I'm telling you, I give you joy which the world cannot give you. The unknown God. You're worshipping something that is unknown. Jesus is telling this Samaritan woman. You worship what you do not know. Why? Because you cannot worship without revelation. Like I said, you can praise God with knowledge. It is impossible to worship God without revelation. And when revelation comes, you will worship. You will worship. It's impossible not to worship. And you don't need a crowd, you don't need music, you don't accompany, you may be all alone in your closet, you receive a revelation, you will start worshipping because it's a revelation of God. Of God. Either the revelation of God will make you fall on your face crying out because he shows you who you are and what he is or it causes you to glorify God. It is impossible not to have revelation and not to respond. Respond. Verse 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For God is seeking such to worship him. Look at verse 24. God is, she's receiving a revelation. She's receiving a revelation. A Samaritan woman who's married five times, living with her boyfriend, the sixth one, sitting by the well, is receiving a revelation which others do not know, that God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in the spirit. Do we have the revelation? That you cannot worship God in the flesh. You cannot worship, you can praise God in the soul. You cannot worship him other than in the spirit. If you have to worship him, you have to worship in the spirit. Meaning, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot worship God. Because God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And revelation is spiritual. It is not knowledge and wisdom which is part of the soul. Revelation is spiritual. That's why Paul says, pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom goes into the soul. Revelation comes with the spirit and wisdom understands it. Understands it. God is a spirit. A woman, much married woman, is receiving a revelation. And he says, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Did she worship? She did. You know what she did? She left her pot. She left her pot. And she went into the town. Because whenever there is a revelation, there is a response. When you know Christ, you will witness him. You do not witness him because you have no revelation of who he is. You have knowledge. You cannot witness with knowledge. You will only witness because you have a revelation of who Christ is. Why don't Christians in modern day witness Christ? Because they have no revelation. 
The minute you have a revelation, your response is to witness, which is worship. Because I told you, worship is not lifting your hands. Worship is a response to a revelation. It's a life. When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes, you receive power, you receive revelation. Receive revelation. So the breakthrough and when he breaks forth on us has to end up in worship. Because the Father is seeking. What is Father seeking? Seeking for worshippers. Worshippers. He's the spirit of truth. And the spirit of... And he will lead you to worship. 25-26 The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. I know the Messiah is coming. She also has knowledge. We know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus says, I am, I who speak to you. What is that? Revelation? This is John chapter 4. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus. John chapter 2, wedding at Cana. Let me tell you, before this, did he reveal? Did he? Others said he is the Messiah. But did he reveal himself as Messiah to anybody? Do you understand God is not a respecter of persons? What he didn't reveal to the apostles, what he didn't reveal to anybody, he revealed to a simple girl, a woman. You know what? God will reveal himself to anybody who is thirsty, who wants to worship. Because she's talking about worship. We worship in this mountain and the Jew says, that's what he says, they're bringing geography over there. You, you say you should worship in Jerusalem. We say, you know, God says it doesn't matter. <laughs> worship is not connected to a lo- location or a place. Worship is connected to the spirit. It's connected to truth. She received truth. She received the truth. You had five husbands. Now you are living with the sixth one. She received the truth. You know what? You are a prophet. You're absolutely true. Absolutely true. She received the truth. As soon as she received the truth, she's actually ready for revelation. We don't receive the truth. We deny the truth. We contend with the truth. We try to ignore the truth. Therefore, we are not ready for a revelation. And therefore, you know what? We lose. Because the greatest purpose of man is to worship God. Worship God. Like we have service, everything and all, but after that, leaving the service part and everything all, when what do people do? They sit together and they talk. Sometimes service is one hour, fellowship is three hours. Why? You enjoy fellowship and fellowship should be enjoyed. Fellowship it is some total of human life on earth. Right? In the same way. And we enjoy fellowship. But we don't enjoy worship. And because we do not worship, because we do not have a revelation, we are losing so much joy. Because joy is in worship. When you worship, joy is released. When we fellowship, we feel so good. The joy we receive in fellowship, it cannot be compared to the joy you receive in worship. That is what David is a worshipper. He says, I was glad, very glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the... What is he talking about? He's talking about the joy of worship. Joy of worship. 
And God is not saying that you should. He said, I, I like it when you enjoy your fellowship. I love it. I want it that way. I made it that way. But he said, you know what? It's nothing compared to the joy of worship. Of worship. And sometimes when the joy of worship and fellowship starts clashing, God will say, what will you choose? Will you choose fellowship or worship? It should go together. But when it doesn't go together, what will you? Lord, I will choose worship. What about that? I can bear that. I will choose worship. That's Enoch. That's Enoch. His worship demanded he give up fellowship because they were not willing to fellowship with him unless he gave up his worship. But every day, 300 years, he walked in worship without fellowship. I'm not saying that he did not talk, but he did not have real fellowship. But he had the joy of the Lord, which comes from worship. Fundamental truths. She received a revelation. What is that? I am the Messiah. I who speak to you, you see. I am the Messiah. I am your Savior. No. We need to realize she is receiving revelations which Moses didn't receive. I am that I am. And that I am that I am became Messiah. Who are you, Lord? Messiah, your Savior. What a Savior means? Who saves you? Out of what? Anything. We think only about sin. God says, why did you restrict me to that? A Savior is a Savior. He saves. Out of what? Everything. I will save you or anything. Everything. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I'll save you. Out of death also I will save you. She receives a revelation. As soon as she receives a revelation, she ran. She ran into the town and she said, you know what? Come and see. The man. He's the Messiah. He's a prophet. Because he said everything that I have done. What does she say? She's declaring, I have been set free by the truth. The truth has set me free. Truth has set, his, set me free. No? Exodus 15. 22 to 26. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and when they went out into the wilderness of Shur, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Mara. So the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Why are they always complaining about Moses? Because they have no revelation. They have no revelation. Moses is not complaining. If Moses complains to God, it is only about the people. He's not complaining about any of the situations. You need to realize, when you have no revelation of God, you will be a murmurer, and a gambler, and a complainer. Because revelation means complaint is over. Why? God is sufficient. God is my savior. Yeshua is my salvation. He will bring me out of this situation. No? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and ordinance for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord that heals you. And when it comes to Isaiah 53 and verse 5, you know what the Bible says? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. 
See, the water is bitter. They have nothing to drink. So God showed him a vision. He said, take this piece of wood and put it into the water. When it goes into the wood of water, what happens? The water becomes sweet. And God gives them a revelation. I am Jehovah Rapha. But how does he become Rapha? Because on the cross, he took our iniquities. Where does sickness come originally? From sin. Sin, sickness, death. On the cross, on that wood, everything was drawn away. All the bitterness was drawn away. The bitterness in life that is caused by sickness and pain and misunderstanding and sin. Everything was drawn and the water became sweet. Life becomes sweet. It's a revelation. Did Moses understand? No. Did Isaiah understand? No. Did Peter understand? He understood. He understood. Peter understood. Isa didn't understand. Moses didn't understand. Question is, do we understand? How does God heal? How do we have a, how do we have a revelation of Yahweh as Rafa during a time like this or any time? Because we need peace. We need peace. What is the answer? The answer is the cross. The cross draws it all away. Draws it all away. And just doesn't, like Derek Prince used to say in his old messages, there was a divine transfer on the cross. My sickness and his healing. My weakness and his strength. My bitterness and his sweet. Everything is a divine transfer and is taking on the place. That's what the cross does. Put it on the water. And you know what? The wood goes into the water and it draws from the water all the bitterness out. And the water is still there. But the bitterness is gone. You know, has bitterness gone out of your life? Has peace come into your life? It's a revelation of the cross. Once that happens, you have a revelation. That Yahweh, that is Jesus, Yeshua, is my healer. By his stripes, I am healed. By his he was chastised for my peace. This is not knowledge, though this is knowledge. Moses had knowledge. Isaiah had knowledge. Peter had revelation. Peter had revelation. And until knowledge becomes a revelation, becomes a revelation, you know what? You will not be able to worship. Able to worship. There is knowledge. Like people often ask me, you know, that people ask me, well, this is five feet nothing. I not even have biceps and this thing and all. I mean, you got a small church. Why is that you are never afraid? Why is that you are never afraid? Which is true. I'm very, I'm not afraid. I said 20 years ago, when I had died and was in a coma, first thing, when I opened my eyes, when it comes to, first thing, I'm in ICU bed number one. First thing I open my eyes, it is written there, bed number one. Below that, it is written, Jesus heals. And I was healed immediately because it was not knowledge. It became revelation. Immediately healed. And I'm never, that illness has never come back. Never come back. Immediately healed. The night before, when I actually collapsed in the train, and I was in the restroom of the train, collapsed, and I, I died. And when I came back, I heard him say, Fear not, you will not die. And after that, I have never feared and never feared death. It was not knowledge. Because it's written all over there in the Bible. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. For me, it was revelation. And you do not fear. You do not fear. And you know what? I'm not saying that you need to go through that. But God is willing to reveal to yourself to you. Reveal himself to you. 
And you know what? The fear of life goes. Fear, fear goes. Because it is through fear that the enemy holds people captive in bondage. Fear can make the greatest of men make the most terrible of mistakes and sell himself as a bond slave. That is David. A man who said, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because he feared Saul, sold himself as a servant to the Akish, the king of the Philistines. When he has been anointed to destroy the Philistines, he's serving the Philistines because of fear. Do you know why you serve what you serve? It's because of fear. It's because of fear. You have to nail it. You have to call it. This is why I serve these things because I am afraid. If I don't do this, what will my friend say? If I'm afraid, what will happen to me? I'm afraid. And you need to have a revelation. That he is Messiah. That he has overcome death. And therefore there is no fear. You need a revelation. And so you have to ask God, lead me into that Lord. I want to break this fear off. Whenever he tells them, fear not, he also tells them something, for I am with you. Joshua, you do not have to fear. Fear not, do not be understood. I am with you. Okay, as I was with Moses. Okay, let me give you an example. Right? You came through 40 years, right? You know what these people did? Their fathers did? You know the struggles my man felt? Did that man ever fail Joshua? He said, no. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, though fear not. Desperate, fearful man. What does he tell Gideon? Mighty man of valor, go in the strength of you. I am with you. That's the reason we are not afraid. The problem is we have a, we have a revelation of Jesus as you shall call him Yeshua. For he shall deliver, save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.22 And then you have a second promise. That is you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. The problem is that we don't have the revelation. That God is with us. God is with us. You know? God is with us. You know? That's why missions are sometimes exciting. Because I've been on my feet in missions, in places, all alone. Meeting people I never knew. But one thing that I knew, He was with me. He was with me. So you were not afraid. You are not afraid. Otherwise, I would have been better. I'm not saying a natural fear doesn't come. It comes that if a dog chases you, you also will be afraid. I will also be afraid. When I go for my walk every day, yesterday also, dog, I turn around and say, look, at what's wrong with you? And the dog also stopped. Okay. I mean, immediately, you know, because you don't want an accident to happen that the fellow bites you. But then you have to go for the injection. So you turn around and looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? And he also smiled and he went that way. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, they can smile. They can show all the TV they show like that. Now I'm telling you some of the best creatures on the roads in Hyderabad are the buffaloes. Have you knocked at them? If they by mistake, they knock your scooter by mistake. You look at the eyes, they're very apologetic. <laughs> People in Hyderabad never say sorry. They will say it's your fault. The, the buffalo cannot talk, but if you look in his eyes, the expression says, I am sorry. But my weight is so much, I cannot move like your scooter, so I have to bump on you. You see, ice have language. Ice have language. So don't be afraid. Okay, don't be afraid. Like I said in the beginning, what did I say? What is the church? God is glorified, the bride is edified, and the devil is 
That should be your testimony. That's what Gideon gets the revelation. He has knowledge, 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 miracle, knowledge, 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 but still not become revelation. Revelation goes when he goes to the enemy's camp. And when he hears the enemy, he realizes, you know what? They are more afraid of us than we are afraid of them. You know? That's what the two spies, the second generation, when they meet Rahab, they realize they are more afraid of us than they are afraid. Forty years you wandered in the wilderness because you did not have a revelation. What's the revelation? They are living in terror because they know about the God of Israel. The enemy and the powers of darkness live in terror because they know about our God. Every time Jesus walked into a synagogue and the demons talked, he said, Why have you come, son of God? They had a revelation of who he is. Have you come to torment us before our time? That's what. And we say, greater is he that is in us. But we don't have a revelation of that he is really great in us than he is in the world. We have to overcome fear because this is intimidation. The devil intimidates through flesh and blood and the systems to cause fear in us because when you are afraid, you will not serve God. Your worship has gone out of the window. That's why I said yesterday, if you think the spirit of intimidation is coming upon you, that the Jezebel spirit is trying to intimidate you, believe and confess, Jezebel is intimidating me because the spirit of Elijah rests upon me. Because Jezebel only goes after prophets, she doesn't go after ordinary men and women. So if you're intimidating me, that's because the spirit of God rests upon me. I am not intimidated. I am not intimidated. I am not. These things matter. Confessions matter. Proclamations matter. Because the devil has to hear you. The word of God that can save you is very near you. It is in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You are saved out of your situation. Confession matters. And the confession can take you to bondage also. Oh, if I go like this, Saul will one day catch me. That was your proclamation. What I feared has come upon me. That was Job's proclamation. What I fear will not come upon me. Because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. He will make a way. Make a way. Our songs shouldn't be just songs of praise. They should be songs of proclamation because we believe. We believe. So I said without revelation, you cannot worship. And God is looking for people who will worship. Who will worship? Who will worship? Galatians 5.17 The flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Exodus 17. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. And the last verse. <laughs> Same thing. I didn't give it to you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 17. Put 16 over there. Yeah, go to 16. Seventeen, sixteen. Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. You see, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nisi. Why? Because he will fight Amalek from generation to generation. The revelation is in Galatians 7, 17. What's the revelation? God will fight your flesh. Will you allow him? Can you build an altar in your life which is called Jehovah Nisi? Lord, I'm building an altar to you. Where within that altar, you know what I will do? I will sacrifice my flesh so that you will receive glory. My flesh will not contend with the spirit. My flesh will surrender before the spirit. I have an altar, Lord. It is called Jehovah Nisi. And you know that? That is the spirit of Christ. 
Spirit. That's why Peter will say in First Peter, if I'm right in verse four, arm yourself with that same flesh, that same mind which Jesus Christ has. Arm yourself with the same mind. What is that? That is Jehovah Nissi. Where do you find Jehovah Nissi? It's a revelation in the old covenant of one of the attributes of God. But we have been given the complete revelation of God. Jehovah Nissi is Yeshua. Who fights through his spirit, your flesh. He says, don't allow your flesh to fight back. Build an altar called Jehovah Nissi. It's a revelation. Because you're fighting our flesh, you're struggling with our flesh, we are not moving forward. You know why? Because we have not a revelation that God will fight this battle for you. God, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm us also with the same mind. If you go, if you had been with Jesus and you saw him early in the morning, rising to a secluded place, and if you saw him praying, you would ask him, what are you doing? He said, I'm worshipping at the altar called Jehovah Nissi. I'm fighting Amalek in me. My flesh... I will not allow him to contend with the spirit. I will crush him. I'll put him under that feet. And then I will go out and serve the purpose of my father. No, Our flesh, our feelings, our emotions, our flesh messes us up. And you know what happened? We are trying to fight flesh with flesh. Without allowing Yahweh has given the spirit to fight my flesh. You don't overcome the flesh by fighting. You overcome the flesh by surrendering to Yahweh. To the Spirit of God saying, Spirit of God, fight this battle for me. Because I saw there is an altar out there in the wilderness, a Rephidim and the Amalekites. Amalekites is a symbol of flesh. Amalekites. That is why the first king of Israel was anointed to destroy the Amalekites. He refused. He killed off but kept the best. And that's our problem. We keep the best of the flesh. We don't destroy it all. But how do you destroy it? Through the Spirit. Put to death through the spirit. We are trying to do it through the flesh. I'm going to fast seven days. No, did the spirit tell you? Uh-huh. Seven days later, you see the flesh is equally strong. But the spirit did not lead you into that. Because sometimes the spirit will say seven days. Sometimes the spirit says, no, dude, I will, I'll destroy it now. You just give me the permission. I can destroy it in a second. Okay. It is not easy. It's not so difficult. Most things are not very, most things, unless it becomes an addiction, most things, let us be honest about it, is very simple. For believers, it's very simple. Unbelievers are breaking habits. How much more can the believer do? I mean, it's so difficult to come to church. No. All you have to get up and come. It's easy to stop watching movies. It's not, it's all you have to do is switch off. It's not very difficult. How many things you have switched off in your life? Well, you're sitting here, you're switching off the word. <laughs> we make these things all into God. Says it is not so difficult. It is very easy. The problem is your, you are pampering flesh. Well, I have told you, there is an altar called in the wilderness called Jehovahnissi, and that God, you know what, fights Amalek from generation to generation. No, these are revelations. And you know what happens when you have revelation? You worship. What does it mean? At Rephidim, when Joshua had destroyed Amalekites, he built an altar. What does it mean? Israel worshipped. Israel worshipped. Israel worshipped. The minute you overcome a habit by the strength of your will, you boast. The minute you overcome your flesh by the power of the Holy Spirit, you worship. You worship. You worship. Your boast will be toast. Mark 8.36 
For what, is, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know what this is? The revelation. People haven't got this. No, this is uh, knowledge. <laughs> it has to become revelation. It's knowledge. It hasn't become revelation yet. It's only knowledge. Knowledge is good. Can make a trophy of it, keep it there like books in the library. Still hasn't become life. Revelation becomes life. Knowledge doesn't become life. Can carry it in your head. Take a pair of scales, okay? Weighing scales. It's imagine, it's supernatural scale, okay? Take all the gold in the world, boom, in one. Bang, it comes down. Take all the silver in the world, put it over there. Take all the diamonds in the world, put take all the wealth of the world, put it over there. And then God takes and puts one human soul over there. Bang, it goes to one soul. That's what God is saying. One soul. Value of one human soul. Have you understood? Have you got the revelation? Have you understood the value of a human soul? If you did, you would witness. You don't witness because you haven't understood the value. That's why our hearts are broken when we see these pictures of all the funeral pyres coming from all over India because we know they're lost. The souls were lost. Souls were lost. Why don't we witness? Why don't we die to ourselves? Why don't we allow the life of Christ to shine? Because that light can save somebody. Why don't we do it? Because we do not know what is truly valuable in heaven. What is true riches? How will you be a rich man in heaven? Depending upon the number of souls God could bring into the kingdom because of your life. One way or other. I'm not talking about witnessing. But you had surrendered your life for his purpose. And your purpose was part of the kingdom. And you brought souls into the kingdom. That's why Daniel says, those who turn others to righteousness, many to righteousness, will shine like stars in heaven. Your glory is connected with what is actual wealth. People haven't understood what is. What profit? What did your money do? What did your job do? Did you witness in your job? Were you a light in your job? Were you a light in your workplace? Were you a light in your university? Were you a light in your classroom? Were you a light? Light does one thing. It brings others to light or darkness flees. But light is not neutral. Darkness is neutral. Everything looks the same. The world is full of darkness. That's why everybody looks the same. But the minute one believer stands up, you will look at the believer, you will know this is a believer. Because it's right. God says, did you ever get a revelation of what is truly important in God's kingdom? What is truly, truly important? What really matters to God? That's what God is talking about. That's why we preach the word day in and day out in all our churches, evangelistic churches. All our churches are evangelical churches. And they go really beat the road. They go down to the people whom we wouldn't give the time of the day. But we preach to equip them. Keep on preaching. Stand firm. Do it. You will not miss your crowd. Get them in. Get them in. Compel them to come in. Let them come off the streets. Let them come off the drag addicts. and the pro- It does not matter. A godly pastor had come back home and his little daughter came and his daughter came and hugged him and said, Dada, you're smelling of cigarettes and wine. Daddy, you don't smoke, you don't drink. He said, no honey, this is the self-smell of salvation. I just came from the 
juvenile place. And I had just had a Bible study with the drunkards and the addicts. It's the smell of salvation. Do we have a smell of salvation? No. Yet we have light. Yet we have light. This is the, this is the, we see, it's a terrible tragedy that is happening, but do you see this as an opportunity to present to him Jesus the Savior who heals? Do you know how many people, all of them, you know, except for a few in abroad, most of the people who are asking for me for prayer and asking me to send recorded prayers, including in the morning, are not Christians, they're all Hindus. You know why? Because they know there is a church in Hyderabad which prays six out of seven days healing for people. And Jesus heals. Jesus heals. Do you know we can pray? In the midst of it and say, Lord, heal. Heal. Nobody has to see. You just stand in your dorms, in your rooms and say, Lord, heal this land, Lord. Let no one die on my watch. Let no one die. No one die. There's one thing I tell God. Lord, no one in my church die on my watch. COVID is there. Old people are there. People with comorbidities are there. Let no one die on my watch, Lord. Because you paid the price for their healing. They should not die. But they should live and declare the works of the Lord. No one. Not that you are, you will not die, but you should not die before your time. You should not die with an accident. You should not die of a disease before your time. You know, we have a revelation. Or the price of a soul, or, or we have only knowledge. I heard a story of an old time pastor, very holiness preacher, and he has to go, had to go for his haircut. He goes to a particular salute, and a particular man cuts his hair. But that day when he went and he got his appointment, suddenly the manager comes and says, Sir, uh, whatever his name, Dick or Tom, Tom or something, is not there, but somebody else will cut your hair. Uh, he said, it's okay. And I said, no, sir, uh, somebody else will come. He said, Mary will cut your hair. So he's sitting over there praying in tongues and all and says, wonder who this Mary. And this Mary comes. Who is Mary? A young girl, torn jeans, spiky hair, everything. Literally tattoo all over this thing and he's saying, Oh Lord, 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 okay, okay. Okay. And she's chewing gum and she's starting and he says, Hi. And he says, Hi. What's your name? And she says, Nobody ever calls him by name because a very senior old pastor. He says, My name is this. And she says, My name is Mary. And he's still quiet over there because when you're too much holy, you don't want to be associated with all these people because you're not like Jesus. You are like more like a Pharisee. Okay, then she says, uh, he says, whatever his name was, let us say Thomas. And Thomas, what do you do? She's calling by name. Thomas, what do you do? He says, I work in this place. She said, oh, I've been there. It's a huge church they have. They have a coffee shop and everything. And a store. And he says, she said, yeah, I've been to your place. He said, yes. She said, you know what? My mother is a drug addict. My brother is a drug addict. And somebody had given us the movie of Left Behind. We saw it cried and cried and cried and cried. And you know what? We said, we don't want to die and go to hell. So we came to a bookstore and bought a Bible. And we are trying to read. And we can, you know, by the time the entire saloon, everybody stopped the haircut. The people were listening. And the man started crying. He said, honey, I am the pastor of the church. After this finish, get take leave. I am going to take you to my office. We are going to sit together and have a Bible study. We look at people at the outside. But we do not know the price of their soul. 
We don't know the price of their soul. We don't value what is valuable in God's eyes. A hurting world. We see them as drug addicts. We see them as alcoholics. We see their tattoos. We see all their spiky hair and everything. We do not know they are miserable and empty inside. And they do all these things. You know why? Because they do not know Christ. They have no revelation. And you have a revelation and you stay away from them. Jesus has a revelation, the value of the soul for the Father. So early in the morning, he gets up, he walks all the day, because the Holy Spirit has told him, today is a day for a special person. He reaches the wilderness, he sits by the well, and a Samaritan woman comes. Woman, much married woman, living with her boyfriend. Who will go to witness to somebody like that? Will we go? Should condemned. Do we? I'm telling you. I'm just telling you from experience. Will you do? I always tell. When you travel, I mean, now I don't travel in trains, but those years on mission, traveling on trains, there was one particular place where I used to sit. You know where I sit? By the door. Sit down on the road. You know why? The fellow who polishes shoes, the little fellow will come in and make him sit him down beside him and ask his story. You have to hear their stories. They don't know where they are from. They were kidnapped when they were babies. Raised up by gangs. And they have to give the collection to the boss. Do we know the stories of these people? The fellow, you know, I don't know whether you saw us, the fellow who comes and sings, little fellows, they can sing really well. And his drum is his stomach. And he will sing beautifully. You sit with them and talk. And you ask them, what do you do with all the money? This much I have to give the rest. What do you do? After I eat, I watch every movie. Uncle, I watch every movie. I learn the songs in the theaters. You know, they're empty. That is why we have invested for year after year with all those poor pastors used to come for our pastor's conference because they reach out to them. We cannot because we don't have the language. We cannot go. But they do. So what were we doing? We are investing in them because they were investing in souls who were precious in God's sight. And when you people came over there, you found it so difficult to serve them. Do you find it difficult to serve them? Do you look down, look down upon them? I told you this absolutely clearly. One day it happened. I was priest asked to be in a mainline denomination. I still can never forget it. And you know, when you go there, you go with a nose up in the air because you think you know so much and they are struggling with 10 minute sermon and okay. So I had gone there and I was sitting there waiting for my time and I, this little feeling was coming. Oh, these people, if only they knew how the congregation would change. And then I looked at the pastor. He had his clock, white clock on and beneath his clock, I could see his trousers. And the edge of his trousers was all torn. Then I heard the spirit says, he too is my servant. Hmm? Too is my servant. We do not understand the value of souls. That's why God is asking, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world. That's why Jesus never discriminated between the rich and the poor, the high and the low. Rich man goes, he says, I'll come. Poor lady goes, he goes. Because he was not looking at his riches or her poverty. He was looking at the price of that soul, the value of the soul in the father's eyes. That's what God is talking about. Do we have a revelation of what is really true, of really valuable? Do you go to work or do you witness as you work? 
Be a witness as you work. Witness as you work. You know, in 1991, when I came to Hyderabad, I was running away from God. Absolutely running away from God. I had made my money. In those days, I had made my money work for two years, pocket full of money. Not rice, pocket full of money. And uh, coming to Iflu, hiding away, hadn't gone to church, nothing at all. And that is 1991. This is the year 2021. Two days back, one of my classmates, um, and just recently um, she got in touch. She was in US and everything, and uh, she called me. And one thing she said, and I had no memory of this thing. Suddenly, she said, she calls me James. James, do you remember? And she had gone through a terrible marriage breakdown. Was married to a man who, I mean, you know, marriage marriages. The man was half crack, lunatic, and she was going through beaten up and everything. Came through separated and all. No, she said, James, do you remember? Evening at Iflu after dinner when we were all walk, walking together, when we were walking together, you were the first person and the only person to whom I told you about my life. And you told me, Sunita, I have been prayed for a long time, but can I pray for you now? And I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And you know what? When she said that, I remember, and suddenly realized, and God was telling me, you know what, son? That is the first time you prayed to me for years. You hadn't prayed. You had walked away from me. That is the first time you prayed in years. And then she said something. She said, James, I remember you had jaundice. And I was wondering, this girl, because she's the one who brought me back to church. She looked at me and said, aren't you a believer? I said, I'm a believer. I said, ha, ha, ha. She said, are you going to church? I said, no. She said, James, you need to go to church. I will take you to church. She is the one who brought me back to church. And she suddenly, out of the blue, she says, James, did you not have jaundice? I said, how do people remember things? This is from 1992. This is the year 2020. You don't understand why it is so important that she says these things because it is when I got jaundice and I was bedridden, I came back to God. I lay on my bi- on my bed and started reading my Bible again. And that's why I'm here in ministry. I prayed first for a person for the first time and John just brought me on my bed and I started getting back with God. And this person remembers these two things after 40 years or 30 years. Two things. I said, God is talking about Do you understand the value of souls? Value of souls? Like I said, like I said, one of the recent missions excite me. And my missions are always with the poor. The poor have no issues with time. You know that? Poor are always hungry for the word. There's a pic, there are pictures I have. Pictures, most of the pictures on missions are always with, usually with poor people. There's a picture I have in my album, meaning in my folder, which is from a village near the Indo-Nepal border. We had reached there after 15 or 16 years of driving. We had never been there. We didn't know where this village was. Somebody called and told about this village. We were going there on the way to Kathmandu. We reached this village. No GPS, nothing. I don't know how the car reached there. No road also after some time. When we reached that village, I've told you about this. When I reached that village, they said, you are the first servant of God to come to our village. Entirely Hindu with one family of Christians. And they had come in there and they could, couldn't get any place to stay. So they rented a shop with shutter shop. The shop was not going so that Hindu gave it for their 
house and church. So they started a small service and little by little Hindus were coming. When I, we reached there at around 11 in the night. I don't know what we ate. I ate and they gave me, I told you the best room in that little house. That was the kitchen. The best room was the kitchen. No toilets. Okay. But the next day, we had a meeting. And you should see the picture of the meeting. All sitting, big, but to everything. All Hindus. One or two Christians. Second day. Early morning. Meeting was supposed to only start at 10. Early morning, 6, 6.30. One man, like a typical, old, dirty, dhoti, and one banyan with his Bible has come. You know what? Pastor must be free. I came because I have doubts in the Bible. I've kept that picture of that man going back. It's still there. You know what? God will have his people who are hungry for the word anywhere. Anywhere. The value of your soul. He doesn't have a great education. No wealth. No class. No dress code. Nothing. But he has a heart which God loves. Value of your soul. That's why I said we need revelation. This is so far knowledge. So far knowledge. It does not become revelation. When it becomes revelation, you know what? Our life will change. We will start pursuing souls and not money. Pursuing souls and not fame. Pursuing souls. You know why Jesus is the most glorified in heaven other than his attributes of God? Because he brought in all the souls. He brought in all the souls. If those who have turned many to righteousness will shine like stars, he is brighter than all the stars. He is brighter than 10,000 suns because all who have turned to righteousness has been turned to righteousness because he understood the value of souls. And God says, do you have a revelation? Revelation of souls? That's why I'm proud of our churches. When they used to write me, these many prostitutes have gone off the streets. These many drug addicts has come on. You know, all the ones in the home, I used to write to them. I always used to write them as my daughter. So they were used for all these things. I used to write to them. Some of them died. Three of them died. And I was upset because I knew each one of their names. I have my book with all their names written. If you look at them, they have no name. They were used for prostitution. They were all this thing. They were drug addicts. So they had all their issues. So when Kara died, I was broken because in my life book, I looked over there, Kara gone. Okay. And I used to tell them, you wear this. You are a princess now. You are a princess. Now look at the first, first Babies, it's still somewhere there in one of the books when the little boy, Aditya, no, the first, no, what was his name? I, I call him Isaiah. Uh, I call him Isaiah. I called him Isaiah. Okay. Yeah. Aditya was the government name. I called him Isaiah. When we buried and we had his memorial service, we printed that. Okay. We printed that. Abandoned at birth. Hmm? Taken in glory as a prince. We find all these people ridiculous. We find, I mean, I mean, think about it. Think about you. One, two, three, four, five, six of you are there. You live right there and you write above. But in between is a set of people. You won't give them the time of your day. You won't give them the time of your day. Because we haven't understood the value of serving souls. We want the anointing of Elijah. But we don't want to pour water on his hands. Elisha receives a double portion because he poured water on Elijah's hands. 
We want the anointing of a prophet, but we are unable to wash the feet of the prophet. The kingdom is different. Kingdom does not work the way the world does. Thirty years later, when Jesus rises up from the waters of baptism, the father says, this is my son, I'm well pleased with him. If you ask the father, what did he do? He said he was serving in his home. He served his father. He served his father. He served his mother. He served his brothers. He served his community. He was serving. He was a servant. Therefore, the Spirit of God landed upon him. We want the Spirit to come come, come upon us without the Spirit of the servant. Because we don't see the value of souls and we don't want to serve them. We don't want to serve them. That's why I say idols have to be broken in our... And you know, it's, it's so easy. It's not so difficult. Once you start getting to do it, after that it becomes a discipline. It automatically flows from you. You don't have to struggle for that. You don't even have to struggle. It just automatically flows. It flows. And that's what God is talking about. When he breaks through, we break through. We break through this vessel. Right? You have to break through. That's what happened. The Bible says in Mark and it's in John. Right? When Jesus went to Bethany, it says it went to Bethany. It doesn't say which house. And this place is went to Simon the leper's house. A lady had an alabaster with spikenard, precious oil. She broke it. She broke it. You know what the Bible says? The whole room filled with the fragrance. When your shell is broken and the life of God comes out of you and starts serving souls, the whole of heaven is filled with the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. Fragrance. Because it is the life of Christ that is going out. It always smells good and it always serves. Husbands don't serve wives. Wives find it difficult to serve their husbands. Parents don't serve children. Children don't serve children. It's a, it's a me, me, me world. It's about me. And therefore you are wondering, why doesn't the spirit, why don't I have revelation? Why don't I have anointing? Why don't I have breakthroughs? Because God says, the spirit is given so that you may serve. And he told his disciples, the son of man did not come to be served. He came to serve. That's why I said yesterday, first lady, last man. How can you have that? I'm not the first man. I'm the last man. If I'm the last man, she's the last lady. Because in the kingdom of God, the first becomes the last. He serves. He serves. And Jesus' final lesson to his disciples was that. And therefore, the anointing. See, he is God. When he came in the flesh, he became the son of God. Before that, he was God. Right, he's God. Yet he's called the servant of God. You know the Old Testament, he's called the servant of God. And he's not ashamed. How dare you call me servant of God? I am God. He doesn't say that. I'm servant of God. If somebody calls a servant, gone. Jesus takes it as a title in the kingdom. Servant. That's what God is talking about. Have you understood the value? When we value souls, we value life. Okay, said. You show me your money, I'll show you my souls. Show me your degrees, I'll show you my souls. 
show you show me your fame i'll show you my souls true wealth is not in any of these things many who are rich on earth will be poor in heaven many who are poor in earth will be rich in heaven this is temporary that is eternal that's why god says there are true riches there and nothing can touch you know what is the only thing that cannot be touched the soul that is in the father's hands no one can touch it he says put your treasure in the hands of the father nobody can touch them get souls into the kingdom get souls into the kingdom so have did we get a revelation about what true riches is you need to understand because people don't understand. The white man doesn't have a revelation. The black man doesn't have a revelation. I'm not don't know all of them. Many of them. The white man who will send. I'm talking. I'm not talking. I'm not. I love all colors. Okay, that's why when we three stand up here, this Indian, Asian, this an African, and there is a half American and a half Caucasian and half Hispanic. So all races are standing here together. Okay, we have no issues with race. But I'm telling you, when a white man sends an offering to missions to save the soul of a black man in Africa, yet will not walk down the street to knock on the unsaved black man and his own ally. He's a hypocrite. Are you getting the picture? He will not talk to the black man down the alley. You know why? Because I am white, he's black. But he will send money for missions to save a black man in Africa. So if you are a white person sitting over there, you have to ask this question. Am I a hypocrite? I'm feeling good. You know what? I send money for missions. For whom? The mission is right there on the road. Down the road. You need to ask these questions. You know? And all the BLM and all these black races keep on talking about white supremacy and white, white, white. white. I have a major issue with them. Let me tell you fundamental truths. Okay, the gospel Jesus gave to the disciples and said to the ends of the earth, and they took it to the ends of the earth. Thomas came to India, Andrew, if I went to China, they went to the ends of the disciples went to the ends of the earth. Right? They went to the ends of the earth. Two thousand years of the church is over. For the first nineteen hundred years, you only hear about the white man taking the gospel. Name me one black man who took the gospel. Tell me one Asian who took the gospel. Only the white man. Can you remember one black man from the 18th century? Can you remember one Asian from the 18th century? No. Only the white man. Yet the gospel went to all races simultaneously. The white man took it. And he gave his life for the gospel. That's why I love the white man. And I will not allow them to run down the white man or the white man, the black man. Because souls are equally precious. I look into history. I cannot find black missionaries. Asian missionaries, brown missionaries, yellow missionaries, only white missionaries. And their dead bodies are buried from the ends of the world for the sake of the gospel. Why? You want to call that white supremacy? I accept that. It is white supremacy. That he gave his life for the gospel. For me, that is the white supremacy. You know what? There's something about them. They took the gospel. And they ran with the gospel. And they died for the gospel. And I don't see any race who has done it. Like they have done it. It's the truth. Because they understood the value of the human soul. They understood. Hats off to them. You know, so we need to look at it very objectively. Stand back and look at you all the junk that you're hearing. There are hypocrites everywhere. But don't run down races. Look at the soul. Look at the soul inside. 
And you know what? Soul inside is precious. It doesn't matter what it is covered with. It's covered with white skin or brown skin, yellow skin or black skin. It is irrelevant. God loves that person. It is precious in his sight. You know when the Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven? When a sinner repents. And it doesn't say what colored sinner. Any sinner. Let me tell you the Ethiopian eunuch was black. What is the apostle? White. What is he doing? Running. The spirit said run. Running. What is the white man running? After the black man. To give him the gospel. And my black man took the gospel and went ran into Africa. You want to look at pictures. No race. God is not a God of race. He's not a racist. And we shouldn't be racist. But we should be objective and look at the faults in every race. You know what? Because souls matter. We need to have a revelation of souls and not a revelation of skin color. It is a soul that is within that is precious. Abraham, Abraham, David Livingston and all died on their knees praying. When they found him dead, he was on his knees. Who is he praying for? Who is he living for? Who is he dying for? Because he saw the preciousness of the souls. What are we praying for? What are we living for? Souls? Everybody is living for riches and property and name and jobs and career. God said, this is all worth nothing. This is all worth nothing. I will give you all this. I give you all the stuff you want. Will you be my witness? Will you allow my life to shine forth? My life to shine forth? Oh Lord, have mercy on us, Lord. We are still not zealous enough. We are still not zealous enough, Lord. We are not still zealous enough. We are so caught up in ourselves. So caught up. That's why I, I get upset when people abuse people, especially those below. I get very upset. You know, I'm more careful with those who society has put under me than I am with people who are on my level or above me. Because I know these people have no defense. If you can get one maid who has worked in my house from 1991, 92, till today, who will say, Saab was nasty to me, raised his voice against me, treated me badly, find one one. To the point when I needed, you know what God did? He sent maids to my house. They came all the way from Assam to my house. Till they, all the days they worked, till they left, salary was never discussed. Never discussed. When I tried to talk about salary, they would say, please don't talk, sir. We didn't come for salary. We came on mission to serve you so that you would be free to serve God's people. No. People, those who are below you, those who do not have the power to defend, no, we have to be very careful. Because that's how God deals with us. We have no power to defend against Him. He has all power and authority. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He, he doesn't deal with us that way. He doesn't deal with that way. 
You know? And sometimes you need to be very, very careful how you deal with people. Because God wants to give us power. He wants to give us authority so that we can serve. That's why John's mother, the other one, his brother, no? John and James, right? Sons of thunder came, knelt before him and said, Lord, when your kingdom come, one on the right, one on the left, and all of them were upset. And Jesus said, what are you asking? What do you want power for? Lord, I want power. For what? Lord, I want authority. For what? It's a question God asks. What do you want it for? Yes, to overcome. Yes, and then? And then? That's what Paul had more authority than anybody else when he was living on earth other than Jesus. You know what he says? My whole life is poured out as a sacrifice, a drink offering. I poured it out. For whom? For souls. You read the book of Philemon. See how he's pleading for an escaped slave. This is a man who will plead for kings. For the king's soul, Felix, Agrippa, he will fight for their soul and in prison he will fight for a slave. Onesiphorus, right? Onesimus. Fighting for Onesimus. For a slave who's run away. Can be killed for running away. And he's writing to his master. He was a slave when he ran. Now he's a brother. Receive him as a brother. And if he owes you anything, put it on my account because you know that you owe your life to me. I brought you to the kingdom. What courage, what boldness, what love. What love. That's what God is talking about. Do we see people as God sees? Do we see the value of souls? Value of souls. And you should be able to distinguish. When you call me Papu, and when Mary in LHL calls me Papu, I have the same thrill. But I'm more excited when you call and she's a mentally retarded call. She has more excitement in seeing me than all of you. She will run from one end of the corridor to the other and say, Papu! And come. She also calls me Papu. You also call me Papu. I should be excited with her the way I'm excited with you because the soul inside is the same. Equally precious to God. It's precious. That's why God is saying, did you value? Do you understand what true riches is? Can we say, Lord, fill me with your spirit, Lord, let your light shine forth. I am very timid, Lord. I cannot witness, but can they see your light? And then they come and ask me, what is the reason of your hope? Lord, then I will be. Ask God or pray. Lord, I just want to be a witness. I just want people to be saved. People to be set free, healed, delivered. So we're praying, Lord, let a thousand hands rise up in India, Lord, men and women of God, who will walk through this pandemic and lay hands upon the sick and say, be healed in Jesus' name. You don't have to die. You don't have to die because of this virus, because there is somebody who paid the price for your healing 2,000 years ago on the cross. You don't have to die. And you don't have to die hopeless. You should walk into death fearless. Because death has been overcome. But if you don't have a revelation of Jesus Christ, you will be fearful. You would be fearful. Death should not hold any fear for us. It never has, after 21 years, no fear. Because I heard him say, fear not, you will not die. You will not die. You will not die. It was there, I knew all the scripture. It became revelation. It's true, what he says, he means it. That's what I'm telling. Now, the more you get to know Christ, you will realize all the things will be irrelevant. All will be irrelevant. 
even if the, the even if you become the president of a nation even the presidency becomes irrelevant in the light of knowing Christ that's what paul says i do not consider it as loss i consider it as gain knowing christ and all the things i given up i consider it as rubbish he says all i want to know is christ i want to know christ because christ is the fullness of god i am that i am who is i am as we go okay god comes and gives us a name who is i am jesus of nazareth i am and then when you get saved i am comes in when you get baptized you are baptized in the name of i am do you know who you are in christ i am that i am is in you and you are afraid you are struggling you are discouraged you are desperate i am that i am is in you and that's what he told him and just gave him a rod yeah one stick it's okay yeah one stick you know take this stick with you i am that i am sent you. he couldn't say who do you say the god of abraham isaac and jacob and one stick he doesn't even know the name of god We have I am that I am and we know his name. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he heals. He delivers. He meets all our need. He never leaves us. If we run to him, he will run to us. We sing. But we don't run to him, we only sing. If we sin, I write to you that you do not sin. But if you sin, he doesn't condemn us. He pleads for us. We have an advocate. And if we confess, oh, he takes some soap and water, cleans you. No, the blood of Jesus. Who, who has ever cleansed you with his blood? Even our parents cleansed us with water and soap, not with their blood. Every time, every time you and I sin, and every time you go to him, it's not water and soap. It is with his blood. What does it mean? His love has never changed for us from the beginning till the end. His blood still cleanses us. What is blood? That is life. Life is in the blood. And blood was given as atonement. Leviticus 17, 11 and 13 says, blood. What does he say? Every time you sin, I plead before the Father. When my spirit convicts you, when you confess, I cleanse you with my life. With my life blood. Who has loved us like that? Who has cared for us like that? And we don't want to witness him. Do we understand true riches? That's why God is saying, what are we running after? What are we pursuing? What are our priorities? Even as we do all the things in life, you should say, Lord, make me a witness, Lord. I want to witness your life. I want to be a witness of your life. That is revelation. The Christ in you is revelation. That is that name. I am that I am. And we have been given that I am. And his name is Jesus. Oh, the power of that name, Jesus. Oh, at the gate called beautiful, Peter and John was going at the usual hour. There was a man, lame from birth. Every day he was brought and kept over there. This Peter said, look at me. And he looked at him expecting something. Peter said, gold and silver I do not have, but what I have I give it to you. 
Rise up in the name. I am. Rise up in the name of Jesus. Go read Acts chapter 3. Go read Acts chapter 4. You know what it is all about? It's about the name of Jesus. Because of faith in that name, this man has been healed. They were called before the standard. Do not preach in that name. That's the name of I am. People who represent I am is now saying they have no revelation. Therefore, they are saying do not preach in that name of Jesus. They do not know Jesus is I am. The commission of Moses and the commission of us is different. These signs shall follow those who believe in my name. I am. We have a revelation of that name. In my name you shall speak in other tongues. I will give you a divine language. It will give you power to resist the enemy. It will get you the, it will give you the vehicle to get into the spirit to worship me. It will enable the spirit to pray through you. In my name you shall speak in other tongues. In my name you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall be healed. Do you know the power of that name? The revelation behind that name? In my name you shall take serpents, snakes, and they shall not harm you. They cannot overpower you, which is true. In life and in church, there have been so many snakes in my life. None of them have been able to prevail over me. You know why? Because of the promise. I held on to that promise. The snakes won't take me down. Snakes will come. God will God will allow snakes to come into the church, into your life, into your office. Everywhere will allow snakes. Two-legged ones. And God says you will handle them. You will handle them. I wish President Trump was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues when he got in the first term because he was brought down by snakes. Snakes in his own party and snakes in his administration. Snakes on the other side is okay because they are snakes. But if he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and knew how to walk in the Spirit, he would have handled snakes and snakes couldn't have harmed him. Because snakes are part of your life. They will be sent. The snake bit Paul. The snake died. Then some of the snakes between died. You know why? Because of that name. It's not because of me. There is a name. In my name. Everything you go around is poison. And many of them come into us accidentally. You know what the Bible says? Even if you take poison, it will not harm you. Why? In my name. In my name. Poison might become tonic for you. Because waters of Mara became sweet for them. Revelation. We need a revelation of who he is. When revelation comes, you know what happens. You will worship him. Worship is not the act of singing. Worship is a lifestyle. But the Father is seeking those who worship him. In spirit and in truth. The spirit is the spirit of revelation. Spirit of revelation. So when you say, when you proclaim, it has to be out of a revelation. No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. Why? Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I shall condemn. Why? For? This is the heritage of the? Why? Have to go to the next one. Why? 
of him. What is that righteousness? It's Christ. It's Christ. Christ is my righteousness. So no weapon forged in hell or on earth can prevail over Christ. Don't ever stand on your righteousness. You will come down. Stand completely on the righteousness of God that comes by faith and faith alone and no weapon that is formed against you can prosper because no weapon ever has prospered over Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. It has to be a revelation. He is that you put no trust in your works or your good works. No trust. It's a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. And you know what? When you stand on that righteousness and you believe in that righteousness and you live in that righteousness, there's nothing man can do to you. There's nothing the enemy can do to you. Whatever you do, do to them turns around for your good because there has been no weapon that has been forged that can handle the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is why Paul says, anything that is not of faith is sin. And everything that is of faith is righteousness. That's the other side. Abraham believed God, credited as righteousness. Every time you believe God and walk by faith, your account balance is going up. Righteous, 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 righteous. What is a righteous? The righteousness of God. This is faith. This is faith. And you know what? Each time you can worship. Because the best man by his best works cannot add one ounce of the righteousness of God into his life. It is only by faith and faith alone. To walk by faith is not a disadvantage. It's a great advantage to walk by faith. That a man lying in prison, in chains, is able to see in his last days, I see the crown of righteousness. Crown of righteousness. That's how you should die. I see my crown. I've finished my race. I've fought that good fight. I've kept that faith. You know what? It's revelation. It's revelation of Jesus Christ in you. When he says, I see the crown of righteousness, what does Paul mean? Paul is meaning that Christ has grown to his full stature. That was all his letters. Let Christ grow to the head, to the full stature, full stature. One man is sitting, you know what? Christ has gone to the full stature in me. That is his epitome. And we can say, bye-bye world, bye-bye world, I'm ready to go. Christ has reached his full name. Now when I step onto the other side, you know what I get? I get a crown. I get a crown of righteousness. I allowed him to grow. This is the journey. And when you look at that, you're not afraid of death. You're not inviting death. But death doesn't scare you. And you're truly able to say, for me to live or die is gain. Come honey, let's pray. Please understand the heart of God. That's the whole thing. When it comes to salvation, no? When it comes to salvation, God sets no boundaries. Whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus, whosoever, it doesn't matter what your state is, color, gender, even if you're transgender, God says, you call, I will save you. Your sexuality doesn't matter to God. Even if you're bisexual, homosexual, miserable, call out to God. God says, I will save you. Whosoever, no boundaries. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, no boundaries. He gives the Spirit without measure. You need to understand the heart of God. No, There are certain things, no boundaries. No boundaries. God gives. He saves anyone. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Anyone. Everyone. No boundaries. Know the heart of God. 
know how much he's willing to give his Holy Spirit to us. And that should be our hunger. Lord, I want more. And what is blocking, Lord? Remove it. Why am I so shallow, Lord? Deepen me. Deepen me. Because you can contain only as much as the vessel can contain. You need to realize Elisha's widow, the, the oil never ran out. The vessels did. The oil never ran out. The oil stopped because the vessel ran out. Any more vessels? No, oil stopped. The Holy Spirit is looking for vessels. The Holy Spirit is not flowing because the vessels have run out. Or the vessels are too shallow. So you have to cry out to God, deepen me, Lord. Deepen me. Don't walk on feelings. Don't want to walk on emotions. How much can God fill you? Ask God, do a deep work in me, Lord. Work a deep work in me. And say, Lord, fill me, Lord. Fill me. Fill me. That even a Gentile Pharaoh is able to look at a prisoner who has come out of 13 years in slavery and imprisonment. Look at him and say, the Spirit of God is in him. He's full. Full. When a Gentile is able to recognize the Spirit of the true living God in him. That's what God is talking about. It's the old covenant people. How much more us in the new covenant. We are running and walking with, we are running on fumes. And the spirit is available. And God said, this is the season. Go into your closets and cry out and say, Lord, give me your spirit. Give me your spirit. Stretch forth your hand to heal with signs and wonders is the cry of the apostles in the upper room. The church gathered. And that's the cry of the church in India should be that. Lord, stretch forth your hand. I don't care who you do it. Just do it, Lord. It doesn't have to be my hand. Pick up anybody on the street, Lord. Any child of yours. Do your wonders. Let this nation know in the midst of this death and curse that there is a God who heals. There is a God of life. He did not come to kill. He came to life. All the gods of this world are gods who curse and kill. My God is a God who blesses and gives life. And the people of God need to stand up and say, Lord, stretch forth your hand like they did. And give us boldness to preach. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. Yes, it's occult day. We are not afraid. They should be afraid of us. We are not afraid of them. Because greater is in me than the Baphomets and the dumb things they worship. In the name of Jesus, Baphomet tucks his tail between his legs, that goat, and he goes down into the abyss and he doesn't come out. We know who Christ is. We don't have to know who their gods are. We need to know who Christ is. I don't have to study multiculturalism and all the pagan gods. I need to know Christ. That's enough. I need to know Christ. I need to know his glory. I need to know his power. All power and authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me, says Jesus. And in my name. I said about that, the power of commission. In my name. We are all sent in his name. And God says, will you believe? Will you believe? Lord, stretch forth your hand over this nation, Lord. Heal. Let there be signs. People throwing their ventilators and walking out. Without even knowing, say, why? Yeshua healed me. I'm going out. Let there be signs. Let there be wonders. Let people not fear. Not fear. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We have been given power to bind powers of darkness. To trample upon snakes and scorpions. And God's word is there. They shall by no means harm you. Harm you. You have his promise, you will go through the waters, you will not be drowned. Stand on it. You shall go through the fire, you shall not be burnt. Because the God of Israel is with us, they did not have a name, we have a name. Yeshua is with me. It cannot be with us, it has to be me. Jesus is with me. 
You have to say he is with me. Lord, reveal yourself, Lord. I want revelation after revelation that I might worship you. Not to preach, but to worship you. That I might worship you, Lord. That I might worship you. And I might be a true servant of God. A servant of God. A servant of God. Come, baby, pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Truly, 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 Lord. Oh, truly, my God. 